Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir? I am uh, ecstatic. We got one more, one more in the Hall of Fame. You know, I was going to start with the Super Bowl, but I was really happy about that news about Leroy Butler. You recall we had him on, I think it was two years ago. Yes, we did. I don't know that he had made the final. He was in like the final 32, but maybe maybe not the final 16. But uh, always been a humble guy and certainly a very accomplished player. Uh, you know, I don't know him that well, but seems to be a pretty good human being too. And I'm just happy for him. I, I've had the chance to spend a little bit of time with him. It was quite a while ago, but it was obviously after his career, but uh, you know, we don't have time to go into the entire story, but I will relate. Some of our listeners have heard that when coach Bowden went to make his official in-home visit to see Leroy, Leroy wouldn't let him come to his house. He met him out. He's either a convenience store or a gas station on the corner outside of the public housing that he left lived in because he's afraid something bad would happen. And he didn't want it to happen to Coach Bowden. And, and that just speaks to where he came from, to what he has become, and really could not be more proud of anybody uh, than Leroy Butler. Well, and one human being, and this is not why he's in the Hall of Fame, but in the middle of two of the most memorable plays or highlights in history one being the punt ruski on the college side but then the lambo leap in, in in green bay i mean that's pretty remarkable now he's he's in the hall of fame on the merits of being on the all decade team in the 90s and really kind of changing the way the safety position was played which you can relate to keith i don't recall the numbers offhand but i feel like he was the first 20 sack 20 interception defensive back maybe or player in the history of the league now that doesn't seem like a big deal now but back then that was a big deal that was the, the 2020 that ranks up there, I guess, in, in what major league baseball was it 30, 30. I don't think we've ever had a 40, 40 in major league baseball. Oh, we did get the 40 steroids got us to 40, 40 at some point, but it was 30, 30 for a while. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. But that 2020 measure, you're right. He was the first one to do that. And really the first, uh, you know, when we talk about bringing the safety down in the box and kind of making them an outside linebacker, that was 36 and green. He, he kind of was the, the, the original uh, bring the safety down in the box and support the run. Yeah, so congratulations to Leroy. I was, re- I was really happy to see that. Uh, we'll, we'll talk in the Super Bowl in a minute. do want to point out we've got uh, FSU baseball ace Parker Messick will join us next segment. The Knowles open the season on Friday night. He's as good as there is in the country, highly decorated and a good interview. Look forward to that. Then Bob Ferrante will join us. We'll talk uh, all things Florida State, including the basketball team, which played Clemson on Tuesday night. And obviously injuries have been an issue for Leonard Hamilton and the Knowles. We'll catch up with Bob in, in just a little bit. It was a certainly a close Super Bowl the other night. A uh, little bit of drama to it. Goes down to the wire. What were, you, what were your thoughts, Keith? 
Uh, two thoughts. Number one, uh, you know, I felt that, that uh, you know, Cam Akers got enough touches, but we certainly saw how um, sometimes uh, that offensive line for the Rams wasn't able to open up any holes, but he kept, uh, you know, fighting through it. And then, you know, Cooper Cup, what, what a great story. Uh, undrafted, un, un, undrafted free agent uh, signs and then gets, finally gets the big contract and then finally has the huge year. And uh, I, I was just excited to see him perform. Um, so those are a couple of my takeaways. And Aaron Donald, who was on that pit team, Jameis's freshman year when Jameis made his de- debut at Pitt. And I don't remember Donald doing a thing. And that may be the last game where he didn't do a thing. And he probably did do something because he's been doing something ever since. And I don't know if he's going to come back, but, but uh, he was pretty remarkable in that game. Those, the other those night last too. two plays. Now yeah. those are the last two plays in the fourth quarter. He's played 59 minutes and 30 seconds. And for a superstar to continue to be giving that kind of effort, certainly speaks to his will and what he wanted to accomplish. Jalen Ramsey had a, had a tough night. One of it was a penalty that wasn't called, but you know, we started this segment on the hall of fame. He's a guy that that's on that track. If he continues that way Uh, before then, I would think Rodney Hudson, who was the best center in the league for a while would, would have a shot to get in. I don't know that Warwick or or Anquan uh, are going to get in though. I'd love to see it. I just think there's too many running backs and receivers and stats stacked up, but, There'll be more down the line. That there will. That there will. Parker Messick is, uh, he's been in the pen. Well, actually, he's the starter. So he's been warming up on the hill. And uh, we will, we'll let him fire the first pitch when he comes back. When we come back on Front Row Knowles, stay with us. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Let's turn the uh, turn the page to baseball because the season is upon us. And Keith, I'm really excited, uh, as always, with the start of baseball season and really pleased that we're able to bring to the program the ace of this Florida State staff, Parker Messick, who joins us now. Parker, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you bet. So so we're excited. But what about you and the team? Uh, as we talk, you're a couple of days away from opening night. Yeah, we, we absolutely cannot wait. Energy and morale is at all time high. We're tired of facing each other. We're ready to face someone that's not in garnet and gold. Parker, we talk about on the football side all the time in spring ball and during fall camp, you're tired of beating up on each other. You're probably tired of throwing to the same guys. You'd like to see somebody else. Absolutely. I'm tired of throwing to the same bats. They, uh, it seems like they face me six times a, a scrimmage. <laughs> they kind of know my sequencing at this point. So it's, it's, it's time to get someone new in the box and, you know, bring that extra energy and, you know, bring that competitive side out of me. Well, let, let's just, uh, before we go team, let's talk a little bit about your development. And uh, you were ACC freshman of the year, pitcher of the year last year. And, uh, you know, you're on everybody's list. Uh, just this week was announced you're on the, the uh, you know, a number of watch lists. But but you're you're not standing pat on where you were a year ago. So I, I know, I guess you've got four pitches now that you're confident. You can throw any count, throw for strikes. Uh, walk, us, walk us through your arsenal in, in terms of what you've got there now. Yeah, it's a, it's a four-seam fastball. My, um, I throw a change-up, a circle change, um, a curveball, and a slider. It's pretty traditional, but it was just important for me to be able to have all four of those pitches and be able to command them um, with complete confidence and be able to throw them with complete conviction and just 
you know, kind of have trust in all those pitches, to, um, no matter whether I was facing a righty or a lefty, that I knew that in any certain count and, you know, a big situation or just, you know, nobody on base that I was comfortable throwing all four of my pitches um, into the strike zone. How, how long does that take to get, mm-hmm. get comfortable? Is the slider the most recent pitch that you've added to your repertoire? And how long does it take to you, you go, you know what, I can throw this lefty righty any count? Yeah, I've, so I kind of always had a four-pitch mix. It's just the complete confidence and, and the, the trust with the pitch has been been the major deal. So freshman year, I kind of threw the slider more than I threw a curveball. Last year, I added the curveball, and it became better than the slider, and I kind of lost the slider. So this year is the first time that I feel like I have all four um, pitches to where, you know, I can I have complete control of them and, you know, I'm completely comfortable throwing them. So, I mean, it takes a long time to develop it. And, but I feel like once now that I got the feel for, for all of them that, I, that I'll be able to, you know, even if one has a bad day, you'll be able to get right back through the next game. Parker, is it fair to say that you're going into this year probably with the first complete offseason with everything else that's had to be done and things got changed around? I mean, is this really the first time you've been able to prepare like you really want to prepare to get into the get into the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with all the the COVID stuff and just all the even even after uh, last year going in with all the new rules and all the changes and everything that had to take place because of it, it is, this is the first real fall that I've had. First, you know, true off season and and first uninterrupted intro to spring that you know I've been able to truly prepare and get myself where I want to be and be able to train the right way and, and get around the right people. And, you know, hopefully there's a, a there's a positive relationship to that. And, you know, hopefully um, some good can come out of it. Let's uh, we'll continue on the, the, the individual theme for just a little bit longer and then we'll, then we'll get to the team. But uh, you know, last year after last season finish, you got to spend the summer with the USA national team or, or collegiate national team. What was that experience like for you? It was awesome. I mean, I was around the best hitters, pitchers, coaches in the country. All, all the guys were great, great personalities, a lot of, of different backgrounds, different, you know, areas around the country. You know, you got to see a lot of different types of baseball played and a lot of different ways the game was thought about. That's kind of where I actually learned how to throw my slider. I kind of picked the brains of the coaches and the players and, you know, see how they thought about the pitch and really kind of use Team USA as a as an experiment to be able to use it and see which one worked best for me. So that's kind of what helped me develop it, honestly. And, uh, you know, all those, all those really good baseball brains, you know, I kind of shared some knowledge on some of my pitches and, you know, received some from some of theirs. So it was, it was a really fun experience. Got to compete against, you know, the, the Olympic team and got to play against the best players around the country. So it was a really fun and cool experience and I'm grateful for it. You know, when we talk at the beginning of the year, we talk about the staff, and, and normally your Friday night starter is the big dog with 97, 98. You, you got nine or 10 other guys that are throwing in the upper 90s. What, what is that like competing amongst yourselves to get better when everybody's got that kind of velocity? Yeah, the coaching staff made it clear, uh, you know, as for me and Bryce, even though we were Friday, Saturday last year, those spots were not guaranteed to us coming back for this year. So we knew we had to compete for it. And it, it that just shows the depth of our staff and what, you know, we're, we're able to bring out, you know, whoever ends up being Sunday in the midweek and then following, you're still going to have some really great arms in the bullpen left over. Um, it just shows the depth that, that me and belly and Metcalf have been able to recruit and bring to FSU because I mean, it, it's a battle every time. No one knows who's going to start this in, um, on the Sunday spot. No one knows who's going to be the, 
the midweek, it was just a battle all fall and all early spring. And it's just, it's been great to see everybody that's kind of arose to the challenge and stepped up and really competed to, to fight for some spots. Well, we know you're going to be the Friday night guy. And, and typically, you know, the Friday night game is when you're going to get your ace first ace. You're going to get your 2-1 game. And, and the guys might go seven, eight innings, and then you turn it over one time. But with with the depth you have and also – and we had meat on recently, and I know he's much more into analytics now. I mean, every year that adds a little bit. Is, is there a, a – I know as a competitor, you want to you want to stay out there the whole time. But is there a no? Are you just trying to get five or six and turn it over? Is there a number you feel like you have to get to every Friday? Um, for me, I'm trying to throw nine every time I step out there. That's I mean, I'm I know that the as a as an opening um, tone setter for the weekend, if I can go out there and give you as many innings as possible, it saves the bullpen for the rest of the weekend. And if you ask any starter, they're going to say the same thing. So. You know, it just the more we can save bullpen arms, the better. And, you know, I, I personally like to compete late in the games. It's kind of builds that emotion. And you'll see me come off the mound kind of going nuts after a big strikeout. I love pitching in those situations. So the, I, I tend to like to go very deep in the games. Now, Parker, you're known to get a lot of strikeouts. Unfortunately, last year, one of the criticisms on the offensive side of, of the Florida State team was they struck out too many times. What have you seen differently from the uh, – from the batter's box of the guys you're throwing against, at least on your team. Yeah, me and Metcalf have done a great job um, getting those guys, you know, in line as far as uh, the mentality that they want them to have and the approach that they want them to have at the plate because it's a completely different um, seminal baseball that we're going to see this year. It's the, they they are tough outs, I'll tell you, in scrimmages. They are they're hard to get out. They have long at bats. They fight. They battle. They'll work counts into walks and. You know, if you get 0-2 on them, you're still not done. They'll they'll work it back to a walker. They'll put the bat on the ball on a good pitch and, you know, ultimately uh, fight one through the infielders or something of that nature. They're just really tough hitters. And, you know, I'm really excited of what the, the bats and the cons- consistency of our infield is going to look like behind me when I'm on the mound. I have a lot of confidence in those guys, and it's going to be a really fun season for us. I know you probably don't want to play favorites, but, you know, from a broad point of view for fans who uh, who aren't in the weeds and don't necessarily know the one through nine lineup, uh, you know, who are some of the new faces that have really impressed you in terms of either, either with their glove and arm or, or in the box? Um, I, I, can, I have no idea what the lineup is going to look like, but I know as far as all the new guys, um, Terrell has made a really good impact. He's been a great um, older guy leader coming in. He's he's, you know, a really good hitter. And, you know, he's a solid first baseman. Um, Jordan Carrion, Brett, Robert, I mean, all those guys. Trayton Rink is, you know, they all play the game really hard and fast is what, you know, meat preaches. And, you know, they're hyper, they're energetic. They put together long at bats. They're tough outs. You know, all the things that, that we want to be as Seminoles, you know, they're, a lot of the new guys are kind of embracing it and they're really, you know, working hard to get themselves in the lineup. So those are just some of the new guys that have really stuck out to me. I'll be honest with me. I really got to like this hurricane kid. I got to embrace him. That just, wow. That's unusual. Is it not? It, it is, but I promise once you see him put the bat on the ball and he park about 20 home runs over the right field fence, you're going to like him a lot more. <laughs> well said. So, so let me ask you, the, the right field fence is one of the unique things about Dick Hazard stadium and Mike Martin field. We think of it a lot with lefty hitters. But but what about you on the hill or, or just the pitching mentality in general that kind of goes with knowing that's a that's a pop fly away from being a three run homer for the other guys? Yeah, I try to not you know think about it. I 
you know, if they're putting the bat on the ball and getting it out that far, that's my own fault anyway. So my job is to, you know, not even letting them barrel it out there. So uh, I, I try and throw for weak contact and, and punch out. So, you know, the more I can do that, the less chance there is at them hitting it, you know, getting a cheap home run off of me. So I try to not let it bother me and I just, you know, do my thing and hopefully, you know, I don't get any cheap ones out there. Hey, the hitters don't call them cheap. There's no asterisk next to their stat line. They, don't, they count all. just the same for them. <laughs> in my head. What do you think of the garnet pad out there now, by the way, on the, uh, on the outfield wall? Stadium looks beautiful. I, it has never looked better. All the pads and, you know, the fences and everything that they've redone this year, it's it's beautiful, and it's going to be fun for fans to come and watch and, and see the, the what they've done to the stadium. All right, let's go a little uh, off the beaten path here. Who's who's the the team clown? Team clown. I probably would say Joe Charles. He's a new guy from UNC. He's he's hilarious. He's a really funny kid. Always got a lot of energy. So right, he's the one. The if there's a rain delay, but it's not a lightning delay. He's the first one out to entertain the fans out on the tarp. I, I wouldn't put it past him. Okay. And who go. does the best meat impersonation? His son Tyler Martin. They look like twins. <laughs> <laughs> him for halloween um in the fall and i mean they looked identical he put the sunscreen on his nose had the bat the fungo stopwatch and everything they look identical parker i used to be uh one of the announcers with lulu back when tyler and tj were running around at probably age three and five maybe i don't know i don't know i'd have to do the math on it but when they were just the little ones all right when when uh what what's the team do away from baseball what's the most popular pastime is it fishing is it hunting is it golfing is it eating uh i'll stop there you can keep the rest off the radio but what is it <laughs> a lot of, uh golfing and fishing you know, we got a we got a bunch of country boys on the team we're kind of kind of letting it spread a little bit we go fishing down at st mark's a, a good amount and around the lakes here and you know we'll go golfing and all the courses around here it's seminole's got a nice course so do a lot of fishing and golfing Parker, does uh, does the real old man eleven wander by every now and then? Have you seen him much? Yeah, he's he's been by a good amount recently. I always talk to him. You know, he 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 loves being out there. I bet it's hard for him to stay away, and he'll he'll come and talk to all of us, and you know, kind of just. I know he loves to be out on that field. It, he comes around quite often. I'm sure he'll be around when the season comes. Well, Tom talks about how old he is. I'm so old that when I was in school and playing ball, Coach Martin wasn't even the head coach yet. <laughs> 11, 11 was still an assistant. Okay. <laughs> you add, you added yourself there, Keith. By the way, 11 had a birthday last week, so happy birthday to uh, to Mike Sr. Parker, we'll finish up in a minute. We'll talk with Parker Messick. I want to go back. Uh, we'll, we'll finish in terms of your individual routine, so to speak. So you throw on Friday. What What's your responsibility? How do you pass the time in the dugout on Saturday and Sunday? Are you charting pitches? Are you talking with the other starters and pitchers? I mean, kind of what's your role through the rest of the weekend series? Yeah, a little bit of everything. I mean, you you if you know my voice, you'll hear it 95% of the time coming out of the dugout. I'm always talking, high-fiving people. I'm a pretty pretty active person when it comes to being um, a, a bench leader when I'm not on the mound. So I, I do have to do charts on, I think it's the Sunday game. Um, but even then, you know, I'm talking to the coaches, yelling at, you know, always chirping, you know, making just – being a voice on the team, trying to be a leader and, you know, keeping up the positive energy and make sure, you know, the more energy we play with, the better chance we have, you know, just beating down the other team. So I'm always, I'm trying to be as vocal as possible. Well, Parker, the ladies swept their uh, weekend series uh, on the uh, softball diamond. Mm -hmm. So uh, we expect nothing less on the baseball diamond this weekend. What do you say? 
New do we. We're ready to rock and roll. Hopefully, that, hopefully that's the result. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, you know, you've uh, you got a big smile on your face, which our listeners can't see. But I know you love to pitch with emotion, and that's one of the things that uh, I won't say it's completely unique to the college game, but you see more of it in college baseball than you, you do in pro ball, and I know you feed off of it. So good luck Friday night. Enjoy this season. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good run for this team. Sure, I appreciate it. We're excited. All right, Parker Messick from the Florida State baseball team. We'll take a break, come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and KJ with you. We're going to move from baseball to basketball. Great interview with Parker Messick and a great result for Florida State last night on the basketball court as the Knowles get a much-needed win. Uh, as Leonard likes to call them, uh, another ACC blowout one-point win as we open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. We say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Bob, the Knowles, the Knowles had it all the way. Never doubt. Never doubt. And uh... – yeah, the uh, the typical one point blowout, the typical Raekwon Evans late game heroics. When when this team needed something, anything, he uh, he's been clutch. I mean, just like he was against Miami and Duke here in January. In January, they they desperately needed him again. You know, Tuesday night to uh, to get past Clemson. He's been incredibly clutch, Bob. I mean, this is three games, and I, that doesn't count. I mean, I was calling the Syracuse game. He hit ones. They didn't. They sealed it. They iced it. They didn't win it. But, I mean, he's been really clutch at winning time for FSU this year. Yeah, at times tonight – I'm sorry, at times on Tuesday night, I think Florida State was trying to run the offense through certain players. Um, you know, at times Matthew Cleveland was trying to will them, you know, to buckets in the first half. In the second half, it seemed like Raekwon Evans just, just took over, you know, 17 points. And um, it, it's not just what he does from the floor. It's, it's the free throw line, too, and it's – for a team that hasn't made free throws, I would say consistently well, especially a guy like Cleveland missing him. You know, when when Evans goes, I think it was twelve or thirteen from the line. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's been providing just the spark that they need, and, and you know, Coach Hamilton citing his leadership. You know what he's done to to kind of rally this team playing again Tuesday without four starters. You know, without without Osborne, without Mills, without Naheem McLeod. Um, you know, the, the whole thing has just been really tough for this roster, but for them to, to pick up a win and end that losing streak, I think was, uh, was good momentum for them going into the stretch run. They had not, they had not been shooting the ball well, but they did, they were effective, uh, especially from a three point line uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah. I think that's, what's kind of surprising is we've seen some really poor shooting performances from them, but tonight it felt like they were functional even with some rotations that were really, really crazy. Like, you know, we saw a lot of Wyatt Wilkes. We saw some Justin Lindner to buy some minutes to rest some guys. We saw some Quincy Ballard. But we saw rotations, you know, against Clemson that you just you just didn't see. And I think that's testing the coaches to kind of come up with, okay, what's the right five? It's testing the players to figure out that chemistry of, okay, how does this half-court offense work? And I'll tell you, at times it, it was not pretty – from a rebounding standpoint, I mean, they were badly out-rebounded by Clemson. And the defense, you know, down low trying to 
prevent PJ Hall from cutting the bucket. It was not there without enough of the bigs, you know, guys like Osborne and McLeod. But when you have all those things going against you, that kind of adversity, you know, for this team to answer, I think I thought that was pretty pretty significant. You mentioned rotations, Bob. I think that that's sort of it can get lost in the headline of four starters out because you can say, well, they're missing four starters, but the next five up should be able to play together. But the reality is. I mean, it's just, I don't know how many combinations Leonard's played this year, but for a guy who plays a deep bench, I mean, the three of us have never seen this many. And it's just guys that, you know, they're not even practicing together, save for the last couple of days, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's truly tested them. I think, again, I, I repeat the, how many teams do we see in this conference night in and night out, try an eight man rotations. If you took four guys away from an eight man team, you don't have a team. And somehow the Seminoles have enough guys. And again, Cam Fletcher's playing 27 minutes. He's essentially a first-year college player, even though he was at Kentucky last year. To play 27 and give you 17 points and eight boards is pretty incredible. Now, he has his first-year player moments, but so does everybody on the roster. I, I think they're, they're kind of feeling through these moments of, okay, I'm uncomfortable. What do I do? And, and you can see there's still some deer in the headlights there. But guys are figuring it out. and. I, I think you have to almost appreciate what this team was able to do Tuesday with everything going against it. And it's, it's been a rough stretch here. It's been a rough stretch of losses, but um, you know, what, what can this do? It's probably not going to help you at Duke on Saturday, but can it help you up at Boston college when you've got some other interesting and, and tight matchups coming up? And as you're, as you're trying to make a, a push to, to get in some type of a postseason. It may be NIT, but I think it kind of shows you this team is still willing to fight for for something in March. Leonard kind of questioned the team's intensity and their uh, effort uh, Sunday and Monday and some of his public comments. Uh, that was not the case Tuesday night. There was plenty of effort on that forward floor. I was taken aback on Monday when he was, I'd say, respectfully critical and did not call out a specific player but it was clear he was unhappy with just about everybody. And it, it, it just surprised me because that's very unlike Leonard Hamilton to do something like that publicly with the media, because as he said, before he, he said, you know, his, his comments, he tries to keep things like that in house. He tries to, you know, handle the business there and let veterans speak up and, and lead the team. And, and I think guys like Malik Osborne have done that, but from the start, Tuesday against Clemson, I think you saw a team that was much more focused, um, flawed, flawed, yes, but focused. And, and that's that's really what you want to see in a night like this. I think the win was very important, but to see that level of focus and, and competitiveness against a team that, that beat Florida State just a couple of weeks ago on the road, again, I think we're seeing enough positives, you know, through the flaws to just be encouraged with what this team might be able to do here um, there are more losses ahead for sure, but you know, I think there's some, some optimism. There are some wins ahead too. Well, it was important to get a win. We're talking with Bob Ferrante via the Earl Bacon agency hotline. You mentioned Cam Fletcher. He, he to me has maybe been the brightest spot the last two games and he's raw and he turns it over and he's in the wrong place at times. But uh, to me, he's the next stat stuffer. Keith and I were talking about, you know, Terrence Mann used to get the stat stuffer phrase from Leonard after every game. 
Cam is that guy too. He's got deflections and blocks and steals and dunks, and he can hit some threes. And then unfortunately he turns it over and he blows some assignments. But, but I, I mean, I think these are valuable minutes for him that we've seen the last couple of games. I think he brings that energy and you made the, the kind of the man comparison. There, there's an energy there that doesn't show up in, in the box score. And, and Cam does it I think really well on both ends of the floor. It again, to Ham's overall point, there's so many first year pieces that they're leaning on that. Yeah. It, it's, it's not going to be pretty. And, and, yeah, you don't have Caleb Mills and you don't have the bigs that you want, but we're seeing guys kind of dial in and focus and and make the requisite plays that this team needs. I, I think Cam was a guy in the preseason that we thought, wow, you know, Kentucky didn't want this guy. Well, okay, that's that's fine. We'll we'll take a guy Kentucky doesn't want because he's a guy that can help Florida State win. And I think it's just as simple as as energy, and that's that's what Ham asked for on on Monday. I think when you look at guys to kind of set that tone of providing energy, he's, he's done just that. Uh, Linder made that three. The bench got a little excited. (laughs) (laughs) There was a moment there when I'm thinking, okay, Justin, you are there to eat up a couple minutes, play some good defense and and not, not mess anything up, but he makes that three. I, I think the, the bench enjoys that more than anything else, just to see, see those moments. And, and, it was kind of a cool night in that regard, too. It's a good point. You look up and down the box score, and there were some guys that didn't have great nights, but everybody kind of can feel like, hey, I contributed. I was able to give a little bit of a spark. And, yeah, you had to go to a guy like Justin, Quincy. Uh, Jalen Worley played some good minutes, you know, too. So it's it's a it seems to be a, a crazy evolving roster uh, that, that just from game to game, who knows? What's going to happen? Uh, Tenor Nagam went down a couple times, and I thought, well, his knees are, are acting up, and he may not be able to go. But he constantly got back up and, and, and just kind of willed himself through the situation and didn't come out of the game. So I, I think we're seeing some, some guys who are hurting, but internally they're saying, okay, we, we can battle through this. We can fight. Bob, you mentioned the potential of postseason, and I don't – I think I'm correct on this. I'm not hundred percent sure. I think you need to be 500 or better to get an NIT invite. So FSU would still have to win a game or two, but do you think generally the book would say that for a young team, you want to keep playing as many games as you can play, but given how young this team is and what seems to be a lack of confidence and they've kind of hit that freshman wall. Do you think this is a team that would benefit from, from playing in the postseason, or might it be, you know what, we've had so many guys hurt. Let's shut it down. Let's get to the off season and just, we'll, we'll do this again next year. I agree. I think you can argue it both ways. If I'm coach Hamilton, I might go to the leaders and the players and say, what do you guys want to do? You guys have a choice to continue your season. And if the NIT is what's on the table, then, then that's an option that, um, if I'm Coach Ham, I, I put to the players and say, do you guys want to want to continue, want to keep playing together as a team? I think there's a lot of guys who will say yes. Yes, they want to. I also think there's a lot of guys who say we, we are desperate for a break. Now, if there's enough of a break between, say, the ACC tournament and the start of the NIT, then I could see you know players saying, that makes sense for us. I, I just know the NIT – it's, you know, the third place team in the horizon league, that's got four seniors and a junior and you're going to their place. 
You know, I don't know that it's necessarily, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I think the answer is they probably would choose to play, but I, I, I don't know. Keith, you're being quiet on this. What do you think? I, I, I say you play. You remember, I'm the guy that doesn't believe yeah. that players should opt out of bowl games. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think it, it might even give you a chance with a couple of the kids that have been out specifically polite that it gives them enough time to come back and finish up their career and they get a, a game or two in the postseason. So we'll, we'll see. Well, that's that's a valid point on on maybe getting some guy. They won't get Malik back. I don't think they'll get McLeod back, but but maybe you get Mills and Polite back, and that's not insignificant. That's two of your three top scorers. Hey, Bob, on a on a much more somber note, Leonard divulged to the media after the game that the team got some really bad news involving one of the uh, team managers who was diagnosed, and and I don't know the the timeline on this. I don't even know what type of cancer, but stage four cancer. And I don't know when the team found that out, but we're talking about somebody who I'm presuming is in his mid twenties at most that's around the team every day. And that's, that's a pretty sobering uh, diagnosis. Yeah, it was a emotional start, you know, to interviews as, as coach Hamilton mentioned that, you know, Jared Lynn is one of the team's managers. He's gone back home to Cincinnati to receive treatment. It's a, it's a stage four cancer. Um, Don't know the type of cancer, but he'll be beginning treatment on Thursday. So so things are moving very, very quickly, um, you know, from a diagnosis and, and treatment standpoint there. And it, it sounds like he walked into Coach Hamilton's office on Monday and and explained what he was going through. And um, so so for the team to, you know, again, coming off what, what happened with Raekwon Evans' brother, uh, him losing his, his brother in November, it, it's been, it's been a, a very difficult season, to say the least, for Raekwon. But um, you know, he said, you know, post game that this was, this was a moment where, where he and the teammates wanted to do something for Jared, something that, you know, they could show to him, you know, we're, we're fighting and try to try to be an inspiration to him. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how, how you can, how you can fight through something like that, but, but this team, I think, uh, obviously gave something to, to Jared as he begins his fight and treatment up in Cincinnati. You know, guys, one of the things that's just so unique and, and very special about college athletics is all of our fans know the players and they know the coaches. They have no idea about the managers and the trainers, whether it be basketball, men's or women, or football or baseball, but the kids know. And so as someone that was there 40-something years ago, when we get together now, it, it doesn't matter who the guys are. The, the managers, the trainers, they're just as significant as the players. And that's something I think the fans don't necessarily see and maybe is a little bit unique for just college athletics. So uh, a, a trainer going through something like that is very significant for our college team. Our best wishes uh, for he and his family and, and the rest of uh, everyone that's involved, very much so. It, it's a good point, Keith. And you and I have seen that up close since we've had an opportunity to travel with the team. And uh, I don't want to uh, – suggest that the players don't do their part because the players get their bags off the plane and all that, but the managers are the first one up yep. and they get the train rolling and they, they mix the power aid. And I mean, that there's so many things that they do. And, and candidly, I don't know that there's a 20 hour uh, per week rule for the managers. You know what I'm probably saying? Not. So probably not, you know, there is, there is for the players at practice, but not so much for the managers. They're basically working full-time jobs around their, their school hours, I think. So. That's well said. Well, Bob, we appreciate it. Uh, we, we'll let you go. Uh, it, it, it was not a, uh, a work of art, but it was a win. And, and that's how we'll remember it. <laughs>
It was. It was not uh, aesthetically pleasing, but uh, but a big win to uh, end a losing streak for sure. All right. Appreciate it as always from the Osceola, Bob Ferrante. Have a good one, Bob. We'll come back and wrap up Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Appreciate Bob uh, Ferrante joining us. Uh, Keith, as we said, you know, restating the obvious, it, it's, you know, this this is not the best Florida State basketball team we've ever seen, but not insignificant that they managed to scratch and claw their way to a win last night against Clemson. Well, you continue to look for positives. That's, that's what you do when you go through a losing streak. You're trying to get a win and you try to look for positives. The effort was back. Uh, some kids stepped up. Raycon, with his uh, career high, uh, played extremely well. Uh, they shot the ball uh, much better than they have shot the ball over the last four or five games. And, you know, all you can do is just, you know, it's, it's kind of like the old mule, the old donkey. You just put your head down and you just plow ahead. Straight line. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. What you can control is your effort. And you just got to manage that. And uh, if some wins come, great. If not, you hold your head up high because you gave your effort and uh, know that you're playing a little bit shorthanded. Fans may not have seen this news. We'll, we'll bounce uh, away from, well, this would include basketball too, I would assume, although right now they've only announced it for football. Uh, late last week, they announced Florida State's partnered with Fanatics and one team to present current players with the opportunity to opt into a jersey custom- customization program and be compensated for the jersey sale. So I, what that means Putting you know, uh, putting that in English, Keith. You've only been able to buy, say, the number one jersey and the number twenty-two jersey because we're in the year twenty twenty-two. Now you're going to be able to buy any number jersey for any player on the roster if they opt into this. And uh, I know my son will be excited because he can he can pick whoever he wants now for one. But that's that's a good step, and a lot of colleges are announcing this, so it's it's important that FSU followed suit. Very much so, and and it just continues the. Is, is momentum the right word? Uh, you know, trying to feel your way through this NIL thing uh, as we continue to see uh, programs put together. You know, the, the ones that get the big notoriety, uh, you know, everybody's aware of, but uh, there's a whole bunch of them that are kind of behind the scenes and underneath the radar that uh, may end up being those that uh, are most profitable. That's the right word for the kids. So, um, yeah, it's good. I, I don't, as you and I've talked, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the transfer portal. I don't like the NIL, but reality is reality. So if that's what you're doing, do it the best you can. Keith, if our listeners don't know where you stand on the transfer portal and NIL by now, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to have to advance that. You're going to, you know, you're just going to have to embrace it, Keith. It's here to stay. Understood. And I'm reluctantly uh, trying to keep my head down and plow straight ahead. I mean, you know, cell phones are going to stick around too. I hate to break it to you. You you do have a cell phone though. I'm pretty sure email's not going away at this point, although it's been replaced by text and direct message and, and other things. Well, I teasingly tell people I do not have a Facebook account, but I do FaceTime with my grandkids. Well, and I'm proud of you for getting that verbiage right. Yeah, you know, even I even I 
juxtapose those two words from time to time. All right, so uh, win for basketball. Baseball gets the season started. I, I got to say, Keith, I mean, I think I've, I mentioned this. We had meat on. I, I'm more excited about this baseball season and team than than maybe I have been in the last several years. And uh, I know the proof will be in the pudding, but if you got as many arms as Florida State has, uh, and, and I have to believe that it, it's not just coach speak, uh, they have to be better at the plate than they were last year. I know they are. I'm excited about this team. Cut down on strikeouts, field the ball a little better, and then let those arms go to work. And, and I agree with you. And again, as we talked with uh, uh, Patrick, you know, it, this is really the first year in three years that you've been able to put your offseason together, your fall schedule, and then get get right back at it after the holidays and get ready for spring, and then feel like you're going to be able to play a full season without a whole bunch of complications. So uh, in that regard, we're back on the, you know, if you will, the status quo. Well, and FSU will uh, open up this weekend. Three games at home, Florida State. Uh, who is it? James Madison coming in, I want to say, I think. But uh, at any rate, a, a chance to get out there and uh, enjoy some baseball. Keith, uh, I will be out there at least uh, probably Saturday. The Block family may make an appearance. Uh, I'll be watching. You... I'll be watching. Okay. All right. That's what I like to hear. Folks, and, we appreciate... uh, by the way, kudos to uh, Coach Sue and the ladies with a victory. Uh, they beat Syracuse. Yeah, they're getting hot at uh, at crunch time. They've, they've got some work to do, but that's three out of the last four. Keith, we're out of time. Folks, we'll tune in. I uh, hope you tune in next week. This is Front Row Knowles.